today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I want to talk about uh, some of the pushback that the Ford government is getting right now after they announced that they are considering adopting what they call an immunity passport to show who has taken the COVID-19 vaccine and who might be eligible for certain activities and who might be restricted because of that. This is what uh, Health Minister Christine Elliott said to try to justify it. Because that's going to be really important for people to have for travel purposes, perhaps for work purposes, for going to theaters or cinemas or any other places where people will be in closer physical contact uh, when we get through the worst of the pandemic. So, yes, that, that will be essential for people to have that. So, uh, mixed reaction on this. Uh, you know, you'll find it's good to know that you're having this. And you, uh, I suppose if you've got one of these passports that said, yes, I've been vaccinated, uh, that might increase your comfort level, I guess, if you're going to a movie theater, if we're ever going to be able to do that in the near future, or a baseball game or a football game or whatever the case might be. But the very fact that you're going to say, okay, you qualify for this and uh, and you didn't get the vaccine, so you can't do this, you can't do that, has raised a number of, of very serious questions uh, about the Charter of Rights and Freedoms as to whether or not this is even legal for the, the province of Ontario to do that. Joining us to talk about this is a Michael Bryant. Uh, Michael, of course, is a former Attorney General in the province of Ontario and is uh, currently with the uh, Canadian Civil Liberties Association as Executive Director and Legal Counsel uh, for that organization. Uh, Michael, been a long time. Great to have you back in the program today. Uh, yeah, great to be back on your program. Love your program. Thanks so much, Michael. Uh, let's I, I just maybe just frame this and your thoughts on, on what the uh, uh, health minister was t- uh, talking about yesterday was the tweet that you uh, let out yesterday. Uh, say, say no thanks to inoculation passports to prevent the scarlet letter of COVID from discriminating. Uh, explain. Yeah, uh, we want herd immunity from the virus. That's the public health goal. Yeah. Uh, what we don't want is herd mentality, marking people um, as inoculated or not or not inoculated, because we live in a free and democratic society, and that means we don't publicly stratify the population on the basis of their pub, of their private health status. It's a, it's a gross violation of someone's dignity, and it's easy enough for someone like me who's going to get inoculated to say, "Yep, I've been inoculated." But what about those with a medical condition prohibiting the inoculation? Do they have to advertise that publicly everywhere they go? Well, that's a violation of their uh, privacy rights. And we just don't do that in society. We've got people out there who may be a risk, but that doesn't mean that they have to, um, uh, that we discard them or we discriminate against them. And the people who are going to be the last to get the inoculation are going to be vulnerable people, people with mental illnesses, people who are homeless, people who. Like it's hard for them to get their act together enough that they would get a, an immunity passport. It's just it's not it's not doable, and it's certainly not workable in Canada. Because what about the rest of Canadians who want to access Ontario in some fashion? Michael, you for many years ago sat around the table as policy decisions were made by mm-hmm. governments, uh, and, and I think you and I have talked about this in the past. Is, is usually somebody at the table who says, "Are you sure we can do this? Is this legal?" Uh, you're you're a lawyer, obviously, uh, but the the health minister is also a lawyer. Uh, did did no bells go off when this was suggested? Well, I think that the suggestion was heard for the first time uh, in the news conference uh, because. Uh, we don't, and this is something that's been happening during COVID, and it's a real problem. We're, you know, we're not a democracy of podiums. We're, we're, a, we're a government of laws. And so if there's a new law coming uh, requiring a, an immunity passport, let's take a look at that law 
And once it gets down on paper, I promise you, the Ministry of the Attorney General, uh, which I worked with for uh, four years, they will say, yeah, no, you can't do it, and let me give you, like, 40,000 reasons why. <laughs> so I, I, I'd be very surprised. Also, just logistically, think about all that would be involved in the cost. Just think about getting your own passport and all that's involved. And, like, I, it's just, it, it would take forever to set this system up. So I don't think it's going to happen, but we certainly need to uh, point out why it shouldn't happen. It's not just that it's logistically something that would be extremely difficult to manage, but it also violates privacy rights, and it would end up violating people's equality rights. I, I mean, she used the example of, uh, of airline travel. I mean, is, is, is she insisting or in, that, that if you don't have the passport, you can't get on an airplane? Is that what she's in, talking about here? Well, you know, airplane, look, you know, airplanes are different. Uh, they are, um, amongst other things, because they land in other countries. So, you know, it's, and, and you know, it's like a little capsule uh, where people are close, relatively close together. Um, so, you know, whether or not there's a, a requirement that people either provide proof of inoculation or, you know, have um, uh, some uh, medical reason or other reason that should be protected by the human rights code that would exclude them from using an airplane. I, I'm, I'm a lot less concerned about people who fly airplanes on this one. I'm a lot more concerned about, uh, people who just never fly in airplanes and who just, you know, it's hard for them to get around and live their lives. And if they want to go to a grocery store, they should be able to do that without having one of these scarlet letters, but there will be areas for sure where um, this, where particular precautions need to be put in place. And we, we already do that with um, students in public schools in Ontario. They either need to be inoculated or they, uh, you know, can fall under an exception, but uh, that information does go to um, classrooms and to permit for contact tracing and not, sorry, to classrooms, but to education officials. But it's one thing to say to a, to a student, um, you need to file this information because this is kind of a Petri dish of population in a school and there are particular risks. So, yeah, you've got to get in your immunization information. It's another thing to say you've got to bring it to the classroom every day and show it to the teacher. Big difference. Let me ask you, well, I've got you, and I'm glad you were able to join us today. Uh, it's a related issue about how far government can go when, uh, when they're dealing with this. And they put some restrictions on, as we know, uh, with the color coding system here in Ontario, but, and masking, uh, which has become a very contentious issue. And you've seen some of the anti-masking displays that have gone on mm -hmm. in different municipalities. And, and the mantra seems to be, that they, I have my rights. If I don't, I don't want one, I don't have to. Uh, does the government have that opportunity within the Charter of Rights to, to impose sanctions and, or masking and things of that nature? So, you know, how far can governments go? Well, governments, I mean, firstly, there's the check of democracy. So if they, if they behave in a way that people don't like, they'll get thrown out. But under the law, how far can they go? Well, they can't violate constitutional rights or infringe constitutional rights unless it's done in a proportionate way. So in the case of masks, I'm not even sure. It, I mean, there's no question that it's proportionate because the actual violation of somebody's freedom is quite minimal. I mean, I just have to put on a mask. I just need to put two elastics around my ear. And I, I mean, I, by the way, I hate it. I don't like wearing masks. Uh, I don't know many people who do, but no. it's not a violation of my right to liberty. I think that 
actually end up trivializing our rights. Uh, the, the rights issues that are coming up during COVID are, you know, serious rights around, for example, how people are uh, put in dangerous situations in prisons, how, how homeless people were put in dangerous situations uh, in shelters. But, you know, to, to, to talk about the anti-maskers, you know, a serious issue is, is there a way for them to protest and exercise their right to protest in a way that um, doesn't uh, create a public health danger? And the answer is, yeah, there is a way to do it. Uh, those are the those are the big important constitutional issues. Uh, putting on a mask does, doesn't um, just doesn't um, quite meet the threshold. Always great to get your perspective on this, Michael. Thanks so much for this. Uh, stay well, and hopefully we'll uh, have you back on real soon. Thanks. You too, Bill. Take care. Michael Bryant, of course, from the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. Uh, just had to ask that because we've had so many anti-masking things that have gone on in the last little while, and, uh, you know, I have my rights, and uh, there is a, a charter of rights. I'm not so sure too many people actually have read it uh, and just understand that whatever you want to do is, is within your rights, and that's not the case at all. Get the perspective from a guy who, well, ran the, the legal system here in the province for a while, and he was the attorney general. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.